Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Selecki, and this week we have Matthew Skoltz as our guest. Moto America, the home of AMA Superbike Championship, featuring 190-mile-per-hour superbikes, is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, the official AMA road racing series for North America, can be found at MotoAmerica.com. Nine rounds of the best racing on two wheels, airing live on Fox Sports. All 20 Hono Superbike races air live, as well as King of the Baggers and the Liquamali Junior Cup Series. And also find a Moto America Rewind and Inside Moto America. They all air live on Fox Sports. Super Sport races air live on MAV TV. Miss a minute of action, practice qualifying and races in video on demand with Moto America live streaming. Go to MotoAmerica.com for further information. Here's the latest news in the industry. We have no racing updates this uh, week, but we also we do have some uh, news to talk about. Eli Tomac and Kawasaki will not be renewing their contract for 2022, and they're going to decide after the AMA Outdoor Nationals to uh, part ways looks like Eli will be joining the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team for 2022. More on that as things develop. In other news, Mert Lawwill from the famous movie on any Sunday was named the Grand Marshal of the 2021 AMA Vintage Motorcycle Days, which is coming up in July, July 23rd through 25th. Make sure you go and check that out. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, who has the most Isle of Man TT wins and how many? More on that after our interview with Matthew Skoltz. Welcome back to Pit Pass Moto. Matthew Skoltz, number 11 on the West B Racing YZFR1, current Moto America Superbike rider and points leader. Matthew, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Well, listen, you got to be excited about the start for 2021 race season. Number one, for getting the season going, finally. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Finally. And uh, just how things are going. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a very difficult ending to the 2020 season for me. But, you know, I feel like we came out uh, swinging early, you know, uh, this year, whereas usually it seems to take us a couple rounds to get into things. But it was a pretty uh, successful preseason testing um, at Coda, which was pretty much the first time that I was riding on the bike since the accident um, the last year at Indianapolis. But, I mean, I'm just really, really happy to, to come up with a, a win in the first heat and a second in the second heat. I mean, it really put us in a pretty good position as far as the championship goes, but I know it's still really early on, but it's always kind of kind of good just to collect points on the, on the up front and have the other guys chasing you. 
always the best position to be in. They have the guys chasing you, and you're doing a good job of that so far this year. And, you know, we noticed when talking to Chuck Giacchetto last week that he had a high-level enthusiasm for the new season and just how things are going in general. And I kind of hear it in your voice, too. How's the rest of the team reacting to the success? I mean, you guys have got to be super excited at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's super, super pumped, really. I know we had one or two personnel changes during the offseason, and it seems to be that everyone's bonding really, really well. Um, everyone's working working hard, and it all seems that we kind of have that goal of winning. You know, whereas the previous seasons, it was all kind of with the thought of, you know, um, if we were the first privateer home, or we could kind of finish second to, uh, to where Bobier was, you know, this is... One of the first years that we pretty much go go into every single heat thinking that if we don't win, we did something wrong there. So I think that it's just with that whole mindset that we can be winners, this year has really changed it for us. Winning breeds confidence, as they say, and, and you've got some swagger, which is great, and we love to see it because it just it really helps elevate the team and those around you and can't be more excited for you. So, I mean, after so many seasons on the YZFR1, you've spent many, many years on that same motorcycle going back to stock 1000. What's different this year that's that's really dialed in as compared to previous years? I mean, I, I wouldn't really say that there's a, a whole lot uh, different now um, besides maybe picking up a couple of um, horsepower during the offseason. I think it's pretty obvious to see now that our bike is really, really quick I'm, uh, out there and that and that might have been something that we were lacking in the 2020 season. But, I mean, otherwise, I think it's just been a pretty slow, uh, progressive curve for us o- over the last couple of years. Um, and I think that we've just been getting better, better and better. And now we're kind of reaching the peak of the Motor America Superbike class. You touched on 2020. And I know that was, a, I think, for just about everybody, a very, very strange season all around just, just because of COVID and all the things that happened. And just for you personally, the way it kind of ended early, what was that like for you? I know you went through a tough injury and, and had to watch from the sidelines. Uh, what was that like? 2019 was the first year that we got the Magneti Marelli system, so that was difficult for us. And 2020 was, I think, one of the seasons that we just got better and better at every single round, and we were progressing up the field, and then we were um, eventually fighting Jack Gagne for second in the championship. And one of those unfortunate things at the Indianapolis track, somebody crashed, they, they let oil down, and then I crashed first, and then Bobia crashed after me, and his bike hit me, and, and I kind of ended the season there, but... I think last year was just one of those years where we just kind of figured everything out and all the pieces of the puzzle just started coming together. Matthew, you're one of those uh, racers just has it for your age and station in life. You've got a tremendous amount of experience just racing all over the world, but mainly South Africa where you're from. What's what's the racing like? What's the state of racing, let's say, down in, in your home country? To be honest, I spent uh, my first two years of road racing back in this South African uh, 1-5 championship. And then I went to the Red Bull Rookies Cup for three years after that. Did one year of Moto2 in the Spanish championship and then two years in the World Supersport championship until going home in 2015, uh, sorry, 14, 15 um, and 16. You know, So I, I didn't spend too much time racing and racing there, but... You know, I think it's the same as most national championships. You know, you kind of always get three, four, five really, really quick guys that have obviously been been racing at, at those tracks for their whole life. But, you know, when I went um, back home, I actually didn't win a, a championship 
for two years. And it was only in my final final season back home that I won the 2016 Superbike title, you know. So it just shows, you know, that those guys are flying back there. I just don't think that they have the numbers and the financial support that we do here on the, in this country. You know, looking throughout all of the worldwide championships, there are quite a few um, South African guys that I was racing with back home, namely the, the Binder brothers who are now in MotoGP and Moto3. Stephen Odendahl is doing the World Super Sport. There's a couple of guys that went to the British championship. So it kind of worked out well that I, that I was always racing against top, top guys. And I think that that's really helped me um, uh, the, the, the elevate myself as a motorcycle rider now. It seems to be a hotbed of talent. I mean, a lot of them have made it to Moto America, and, and we see them every weekend. It's funny to me how it kind of moves around the world. There's always one country that has a successful couple of years, and they seem to be the strong one. And South Africa's had their turn, and Spain has their turn. Italy had their turn. It's always interesting how it moves around. And I know that's where, really for you, riding and racing started back in South Africa, what was that like for you growing up? What, how did it start uh, with dirt bikes or, or how did it uh, begin for you? Yeah, I started with dirt bikes first. I was about 80 years old. I went to a friend's house and he lived next to the, a little park and he, uh, and he had a Yamaha Pee 50 bike and just kind of, you know, rode it, rode it around the park next to this guy's house. Asked my dad uh, to get me one and I would ride on a, around the soccer fields when he played soccer. And then, yeah, I just kind of went to the local motocross track and started doing national national motocross races back home. Uh, then maybe about 12, started the Motard series and then just kind of saw that on the dirt, I was relatively the same speed as most of the guys that I had been, you know, racing motocross with. But then when we got onto the tarmac, I was, you know, doing it a lot better than what the, the other guys were and then just moved to to the full um, the road racing side of things when I was about 13, 14. And, you know, obviously, I didn't really think that I could actually make it as a professional racer uh, one day. But I think what changed everything was... When I qualified for the Red Bull Red Bull uh, Rookies Cup, that was kind of when I started thinking that I could actually do this. You know, progress to the stage now as a professional motorcycle rider, um, rider and getting paid to do what I love doing. It is amazing. A lot, a lot of racers never go into it thinking it's going to be a career, and it turns into one eventually, just by you know, by having success like you have. And I always. I always wanted to take a poll and figure out how many racers and riders began on, on the PW50. There there must yeah. be just, I don't even know if you could count that high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems like everybody had one in the garage. It was either that or a little Honda 50 four-stroke that, that everybody in the neighborhood got to ride, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think that, you know, looking, if you look back at most of the greats of motorcycle um, uh, racing, whether it be motocross or superbikes, whatever, it's usually people starting off at a fairly young, young age and just, you know, and they're, they're progressing and, and dedicating their whole life to it. I'm a little bit jealous. So it seems like the, the kids now have the, what are they called, uh, Stasic electric bikes, and they can start at three years old. They're They're already turning the gas and accelerating away and learning the fundamentals. But most of us were just barely walking at that point. 
Yeah, I mean, pushing, there's a little plastic box um, uh, around. Now they've got some you know, electric powered things. And I mean, it, it's it's really awesome to see, you know, and I don't just think that it's motorcycle racing. It's 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 all forms of, of sport now. You, you see how young and how, how talented some of these kids are. It's, I think it's uh, really good for the future. Yeah, I can't agree more. So uh, you do a little moto in your spare time? You still ride motocross to train or do any off-road riding? Yeah, I mean, motocross is definitely one of my biggest training training tools. Um, I know that it is pretty dangerous, to be honest. And, you know, last year I actually broke my collarbone doing motocross training but before the preseason test and actually had a missile barber last year. But, you know, I think that it's just one of those, you know, um, the high-risk, high-reward uh, sort uh, of deals. And, you know, like I said, I've been racing motocross since I was about seven. It's always been part of my life and my training. So I love it, and I'm going to carry on doing it. Definitely a great way to stay in shape, I agree. And it kind of forces you to do that, in other words, because you have to be strong and healthy to do that, let alone use it for the training aspect. So that's that's important. You guys hit a lot of venues throughout the season uh, in Moto America, and you've made the circuit many, many times. Which, uh, which event do you most look forward to, Matthew, when you when you head out for a new season? Probably the road Atlanta track for me and Chuck. You know, both of us live pretty pretty close here. So, so does Ed um, uh, as well. So it's it's kind of a home race for us. Even though we, we don't do too much testing there, it's always nice to have family and friends come over that you see outside of the motorcycle world. You know, so it's always nice to just to just see uh, familiar faces. Plus, you get to sleep in your own bed that weekend, which is always a bonus, right? Yeah, no, it definitely helps. I mean, unfortunately, I'm probably about one hour 20 from the track, so I just stay at the hotel. But, you know, like I was saying, it definitely helps seeing um, the, uh, familiar faces and friends coming out. And it's always nice that it's, that it's usually the, uh, the first race season for us. Well, which is another added bonus. Well, Matthew, we're unfortunately running out of time, so I just want to take now to uh, if there's any sponsors that you want to thank you, people who've helped you along the way. Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, just to say thank you to, to you know, Treg. He's the main man um, behind the Westby Racing Team, and like I've said, you know, he's given us all of he's given all of us the opportunity to kind of showcase our talents, whether it's from me riding the bike to Ed Herschel working on the setup. Dustin, Ollie, you know, um, Johnny, Chuck, it's, it's all just really awesome just being part of this whole deal and team that we've got here. Thank you to Bow Helmets and Spitty Leathers. I've pretty much been with them both for, for five years now. And uh, Touchwood, I've been kept safe since. So just a, a shout out to, to them and just everyone that, that you know, watches the, the Motor America Superbike Racing. Just thank you guys. I know that the series has been growing and it's really looking forward to the to the future. Exciting to see, and we're really uh, looking forward to this season and watching you uh, go out and conquer. It's been great so far, so we look forward to the next round. Thanks again, Matthew, for joining us on Pit Pass Moto, man. I appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thank you so much. Keep well. We'd like to thank Matthew Skoltz for being on Pit Pass today. And this week's Pit Pass trivia question was, who has the most Isle of Man TT wins and how many? The answer is, of course, Joey Dunlop with 26 wins, followed closely by John McGinnis with 23, and he's closing fast. Such a great race, the Isle of Man TT. It is canceled for 2021, 
but look for it in 2022. They're planning to hold the event in May through June next year. We've got upcoming events, uh, MotoGP racing, the uh, Grand Prix de France, which is held at the Le Mans Circus, the Bacati Circuit, which is May 16th. We've got Moto America coming to Virginia International Raceway, May 21st through 23rd. American Flat Track Racing at Texas Motor Speedway, Fort Worth, Texas, on May 22nd. GNCC Racing, the John Penton held at Millfield, Ohio, will be May 22nd through 23rd. AMA Outdoor Motocross begins May 29th at Fox Raceway in Pala, California. Thank you again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you can never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Alverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave, and we'll see you next week. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers. Every episode of Double Down with Breslow is packed with insider tips, deeply skilled analysis, and in-depth discussions. Don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting. Listen to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Double Down with Breslow, the business of sports betting podcast.